Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 462, and today we'll be talking about what lies beneath from Unicorn Warriors Eternal. I'm GC13. And I'm David. If ever there was an episode of Unicorn that just blends its action and its comedy so nicely together. Ah, oh, the pirates were wonderful. <laughs> they, yeah, they kind of reminded me of maybe the creepiest edge of a Scooby-Doo villain. <laughs> you know, multiplied by however many of them there Ooh. were. Yes, that they would fit quite nicely in Scooby-Doo, actually. Right, because they had that blend of uh, goofiness because they were in awe of Alfie the whole time he, you know, struggled, <laughs> but successfully somewhat manipulated a sword. Uh, somewhat successfully. Did you see what a boss he was wielding that thing in one foot? Well, he was successful minus the part where he kept, you know, disappearing. But he, he tried yeah. his best while he had any physical capability. They also were just genuinely grotesque, but within the bounds of still fitting within this art style. I don't know why they felt the need that this should be on as late as it is. They could have easily had this be the first thing to air on Adult Swim. Perfect bridge between the kid-appropriate Cartoon Network stuff and then the okay-we'd-rather-grown-ups be tuning in now. Yeah. Again, this episode, I think, really hits the the sort of thesis or the promise of what this show could have been with even more episodes, but like I, I think it executes the vision. You have the space to explore this ship, multiple characters doing multiple things close by to each other, but experiencing just little beats and moments that are relevant to them, and a lot of action. Like, a lot. <laughs> like, this episode is mainly driven by some, well, awesome scenes with pirates and cannons coming alive, <laughs> and it's all very moody out in the middle of the sea. The strange part is that, well, the first seven minutes, I don't know why they happened. <laughs> we needed to f follow up from the previous episode, right? We needed to get a little bit of more motivation about understanding this mysterious fox lady and chasing her down, and there's some nice chase sequence there, and I like uh, seeing Emma shove herself through pipes and through alleyways to, you know, keep on, <laughs> keep on the fox's tail. Both of those were very funny, but especially when she's going through the two buildings and uh, tearing the bricks off as she chases the fox that's running through the alley, I can't help but think of Spongebob when he and Patrick are on the Flying Dutchman's crew. You're good. <laughs> You're good. You're good. And exactly. I, I wonder if that was a conscious influence there, because it, <laughs> it fits so nicely. I, I think there's a lot of car chase sequences that follow the same beat, right? <laughs> when they eventually turn into the alley and one car smaller than the other and the car just scrapes through the whole way. Of course, Emma also follows up by just smashing into every pillar in the middle of some <laughs> town alley. I, I, I don't know why they had columns yeah. like that. I don't know why she didn't, uh, you know, act more like a skier and avoid the obstacles, but all more power to her to just crash into everything. She needs a little bit more time on the Proving Grounds, I think. Yeah, she does. Well, and, you know, again, the, the first seven minutes exists to once again show Emma doesn't have all that great control of her power. And, you know, what is Emma and what isn't? She lets the purple power take over and 
blast open the roof of some uh, living place and, well, there's a mom and kids just crying in there, right? Let's herself get distracted. <laughs> yeah, so it's like every time we see this power demonstrated, it goes wrong. It goes wrong twice in this episode. It's gone wrong every time previous to now. Uh, I guess it didn't go... Maybe it went okay fighting all those stone statues. But uh, other than that, you know, what is she going to do? Every time things seem to literally blow up in her face. Also, the fox turned into what looked like an innocent fox right there at the end before it disappeared in the house. It was very uh, strange. Yeah, it goes from a goes from a biped to a full on fox. Right. Well, and which is very dramatic contrast to where the episode starts, where Alfie slash Sang is fighting against the horrific spirit world version of the fox. Yes, and it's trying to scrape him off the roof of its mouth. (laughs) Yeah, kind of, kind of brutal. But I I do disagree with you referring to her as Emma in this episode, (laughs) because even here she makes it pretty clear, well, this is her body, you know. He was Emma's fiance. You know, she's confused because she has all of Emma's memories, but she is aware that I am not Emma. This episode especially makes me think of this character as her own being, who is exploring what it means to be the old and the new. (laughs) And she doesn't know what to do with it. She knows she's kind of pissed at Edred, though, for trying to, (laughs) you know, push his way on her. But she's so unsure. Edred reaches peak douchebag in this episode, I think. Thankfully, it's all uphill for him uh, from here. He gets better, is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Yeah, but he really tries pulling her in with the sword and the song of the sword. Kind of creepy. The romantic music. (laughs) And of of course, uh, you know, it all gets interrupted. Thanks, Winston. Yeah, (laughs) Winston miraculously is able to follow, quote, Emma, such long distances. I don't know how he managed to clamber his way up on this boat. Uh, The next episode really showcases the lengths he'll go to uh, to be with her. (laughs) But um, I, I appreciate his presence here because, God, they just gave him such a such a goofy set of hair and beard and innocent face. And it's so funny. Seeing him trying to size up Edred and, <laughs> you know, and yeah, he's so genuinely sweet. Like, he turns to Edred again to ask how can we help her when, uh, you know, Emma's fighting against the kind of discount Steven Universe villain <laughs> of, uh, you know, wooden planks come alive. I do yeah, have to admit, yeah. when I saw it finally, the, the planks of the boat come alive and the, its green eyes and face, I was a little disappointed because... Not nearly as cool as the pirate designs, and I I felt like I'd already seen it done scarier in Steven Universe. I was surprised how, what a mild and straightforward interpretation of living boat it was, but whatever. And the funny thing is, both of them had poltergeist things happening in the episode, too. Yeah, there must be something we don't know about (laughs) that makes this a very common trope of building come alive. All I know is that if lighthouses and ships fight, the lighthouses always win, so. Yeah. I still never saw, what was it called? Monster House? That now beautiful looking CGI film from 2004 (laughs) or 5. I I totally missed that. That's probably the source of, you know, all these things. You know, I saw that one playing. 
didn't sit down and watch it though. It's a little hard to look at now, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I feel like it had a cultural impact there for a second. Maybe, maybe. I mean, you got to think. You know, what did the the generation that's making cartoons nowadays grow up watching? Probably not that. <laughs> Probably still in the nineties. But uh, eventually, we'll make it maybe to Monster House inspired people. Although you know, the kids keep getting younger every day, and I keep getting older, so. it's hard to say if i'm still aware of the age of people making cartoons i'm just waiting for uh, somebody to throw in a where's my super suit woman reference uh in one of their own works that's gonna be a (laughs) glorious day so yeah this this uh you know once again bleeds into the next episode the boundaries of these episodes are pretty light like (laughs) it feels like the last seven minutes of the previous episode were included in this one and then this is really just a two-parter that uh isn't named as a two-parter even though the first two were but we unleash a giant kraken that was unexpected i mean they already had magic and horrors in the show and i guess i shouldn't have been surprised after seeing a giant war elephant but i do feel like they touch some part of me that felt uh Oh, I, I think I remember what it was now. It reminded me of the sort of otherworldly horrors that appeared in, in Watchmen, which I don't know if you're familiar with that superhero, not really a superhero, a uh, set of comic books and uh Are you talking about the space show. squids? Or? Yeah, the space squids. This idea that like these otherworldly horrors appear. Even though the Kraken is a very traditional beast, it's not, I mean, it's a little more than a Kraken <laughs> and they treat it like, it came from some place it wasn't supposed to. I don't know. It had a weird vibe to it. <laughs> what I don't understand, this is the only time that I can recall that Melinda or anyone wielding her power set summons another creature. As far as I can tell, she's just flying and energy projection. Um, and yet, I brought help. Yeah, it, it feels like her powers went way too far off the edge and made something happen that wasn't supposed to happen. And of course, it's completely out of her control, <laughs> which yep. unfortunate. Then they have to go take care of business. Like I said, three, four, and five all really blend into each other. Very, uh, very abrupt transitions. They, they could all be one super episode, kind of like they took the first three episodes of Samurai Jack and marketed them as a movie. <laughs> Yeah, I guess Gendy has this <laughs> way of thinking about things in three acts and they just get split up into episodes. Hey, if it works, it works, right? I I think, I mean, I like this middle act the most. I don't remember the third part as much, so I guess we'll see next week if it's actually memorable or not memorable. <laughs> because I don't remember it right now, but that doesn't mean it's not memorable. It just means I have a bad memory. Oh, it's uh, it's a trip. <laughs> Yeah. But it's where we finally really start getting some proper answers about Melinda and about Emma and uh, ooh, some real intrigue for stuff that's going to happen later in the series. But I guess uh, I guess we'll get there next week, won't we? Indeed. <laughs> As for this episode, I just want to call out props to Copernicus for having an extra pair of arms back there for when he needs to be the four fist slinging uh you know robot 
Oh, yeah, Copernicus is, he's an absolute machine, you know? He's an amazing machine. And, yeah, he does a lot of work to endure us to him. As a support role, he goes all out. And he even has a little more precise hearing instrument that can come out of his head and listen for Alfie's breathing, which was heartbreaking. If you need a heartbeat, he'll find it. Yeah, think I don't know what he would have done if he died, <laughs> but uh, maybe find you know someone more the age of Sing. But yeah, I, I poor Alfie. You know they I, they did try to play it for comedy, but his face looks so sad when it looks sad, and so anguished when it looks anguished. So it's kind of hard to watch his limbs disappear and have it feel comical. <laughs> it more feels. Like body horror, <laughs> you know, watching, you know, yeah. again in Steven Universe, watching Steven suffer from having cat fingers. It <laughs> it lands somewhere there for me. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. Uh, this one didn't bother me. I, I was, I am definitely keyed into how emotionally expressive he is, but I don't know. It It is, you gotta admit, it is kind of funny. Um, <laughs> him just keeping on swiping the hands through where his hands should be. Yeah, I think it's more the the setup where he has had this connectedness to the spirit world for just a few days, and now he's disconnected. And you know, the way they start off with that is kind of heartbreaking. You know, he's like, "I can now see everything and nothing," and he buries his you know head in his hands. You gotta feel for the kid. He's just a kid. <laughs> you know, it's he, he's even in some ways worse off than Emma because he's just completely adapted this new role, but he's effectively just as much of a child and just as much of his old personality. I mean, by all intents and purposes, it doesn't seem like he's lost any of his memories, but he, you know, because he now has the red eyes and is permanently attached into the spirit world, you know, he can't help but be distracted by it. Yeah. Discipline. He'll have to learn discipline. I I have a completely to the side complaint but uh i wished that in the world of modern animation we had come up with a better way to render complex vehicles at this stage the 3d ship was obviously the centerpiece of this episode and it needed to look cool and creepy and large and be shown from a lot of angles in movement i kind of at this point i i always i like point at the screen and go Look! <laughs> Look! It's 3D, y'all! It, it It's so distinctive. I remember in, like, Hilda, too, a show that had such a distinctive art style that the moment they went on the water, <laughs> the boats, like, I, I remember the episode in the background music, but I remember the boat just having this eerie, perfect roundedness to it, and I don't, I swear that they're fr- doing the frame rates of these the same as the characters, and they're not putting it at, you know, double the frame rate. But it has an eerie smoothness to it, maybe not with the motion, but just of the literal way that the details carry over in a way that maybe a human wouldn't have drawn them. And I just wish that they came up with a different way to do the vehicles, like purposefully making the angles a little bit different. So like maybe that there were mistakes in them, or like, you know, if you drew details on the lines of wood, maybe when the angle changes slightly, you would draw different details in the wood, right? Because that's maybe how a human would more approach it. But 
as it is, it's just, it always stands out to me. And I know that's not important, but I also would be easily impressed if, well, actually, maybe I wouldn't be impressed. Maybe there are times where people do it, and, like, they had the opportunity to use a 3D vehicle, and they didn't, and I'll never know. So, actually, props to all the times that it probably went under my radar. But, uh... It definitely didn't when I saw it in Hilda or when I saw it in the Avatar or Korra series. And it's funny because when this art style is so distinctive, you're kind of going to catch anything that doesn't fit within the box. And I'm, I'm even looking at a still now where clearly even the water in the ocean was like using particle effects. But I didn't notice them because they fit in more with the scenery compared to that 3D boat. So that's my that's my animation complaining, but I'm also too naive <laughs> to know when it's actually done in a way that I don't notice it. So, oh well. Well, I'll give him this. I did not notice anything weird about the, the ship at all. It went completely under my radar, but <laughs> I don't think I have the sharpest eye for these things. What I was more interested in, in that first seven minutes that you said didn't feel like it fit, is... Uh, again, Melinda needs some practice, and I don't think that, you know, from a temperament standpoint, maybe she's the best person to be wielding this kind of incredible destructive power in the middle of a city. I get a feeling that she doesn't really care about civilian casualties very much. Melinda doesn't, and it certainly lends to that aura of evil. <laughs> like, who is the evil one here as the fox? You know, I mean, foxes are tricksters, they're sly, they're clever, but they also look cute and innocent sometimes. And Melinda in that purple black rage certainly doesn't <laughs> look oh, uh, no. innocent. So it's a thought that keeps running through the back of your mind, especially as Emma's personality is so against Melinda's. You know, in one aspect, yes, it's because she wants her own autonomy and she didn't want her body taken. But there's another part of you questioning, does she not agree with the motives? And does she not trust when Edred, you know, just claims that they're fighting evil? There is uh, something weird going on there. And this episode actually shows us the fox lady magic. So if you had a keen eye early on, you'd be comparing and saying, hmm, green, purple, energy magic looks kind of similar. Weird, you know? <laughs> and she, she does, when she does the bow. She is using the blue magic that we've associated with the evil from the first episode fight. So, yeah, the fox lady definitely not on the up and up. No. Uh, according to her magic in this episode. So, there's something going on. But, it, yeah, it's weird that it's not blue, though. Uh, to be honest, I don't know if fox lady is ever properly explained. <laughs> That's weird, actually. <laughs> they really don't? <laughs> I guess I'll experience that soon enough. Like I said, we'll, it's just, well, yeah, you'll, ex you'll, you'll definitely experience it. I don't want to say anything more. Just, I'm I, I, so I want ready. to hear your, your reaction. I love when it does happen. <laughs> I love how the show we just finished talking about being puppy cat was me kind of presenting a cartoon to you and going, look at all these unanswered questions. <laughs> and now uh, we're just doing the same thing again, except now it's you to me. This is a delight. <laughs> Uh, but also torture in some sense. Yeah. How many, how many Hotel Transylvanias does the man have to make before he gets to finish a series? <laughs> oh my god. They're like... 
excuse me. Are there like five Hotel Transylvania movies? Is that a correct number? I thought there were only three. Hold on. I guess the real question I have is, are there more Shreks than Hotel Transylvanias? Okay, apparently there was a fourth one? Yes. On Prime Video, of course. Well, no wonder I never heard about it. Come on, there isn't already a fifth one planned, though? That one already came out last year. That's plenty of time to make a fifth one. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, actually, I mean, they made the TV show that spanned four years, so... Oh, seriously? I'll take that as a fifth one. What, you didn't hear of Hotel Transylvania, the series? This thing got two seasons of 26 episodes each. <laughs> and yet, Unicorn gets 10. <laughs> yeah, and yet, and we could list 100 cartoons. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, Hotel Transylvania, I remember uh, mildly liking the first one. I don't remember following up on it. But that's just me. That's just my taste. If something feels explicitly like Halloween themed then it's really hard for me to go back to it <laughs> for you know outside of that month or that week oh yeah come on it happens every year that's plenty of time to watch the franchise yeah but i gotta rewatch over the garden wall <laughs> every year at that okay. time okay. so only so much room understandable have a nice day <laughs> exactly anyway guys that's it for us on what lies beneath join us next week until then I'm GC13. And I'm David. Don't forget to leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com. 